Whew. That intro always feels a lot longer when somebody else reads it. When you're trying to write it, you're like, oh man, I got to get as much information on here as possible. But man, uh, it is such an honor to be here at the uh, Bacon Lovers Anonymous. Um, I know you guys were being really humble by not eating all that food out there, but uh, if it was up to me, I would just put bacon on the plate and I would completely ignore all the other things. But uh, man, it, it's such an honor to be here, to, to have an opportunity to speak before you guys. Um, I've been in your seat. I've, I've sat there. I've listened to all these great speakers. I've nodded off a little bit, so I'll know what it looks like if you guys are <laughs> nodding off. But um, for me, th- I'm just really humbled right now. This is, this is so cool. And so uh, I really wanted to take this seriously and really identify like a topic or something that I could share with you, some nuggets that I could leave behind with you uh, from this breakfast. And uh, Everything that I kept thinking about, everything that I kept reflecting on, kind of pointed back to myself. And it always feels like when you're looking to share something, you want to share something that's relatable, something that's connectable. Um, I think about um, just all of the things that Johnny just read off about me. Those are, those are my accomplishments. Those are things that I've, I've done. And uh, it, it doesn't feel as, as big as it sounds, but... Um, Man, it's, it's, it's such an honor uh, to, to have an opportunity to speak before you guys. Um, I want to talk a little bit about my family real quick. Um, like Johnny said, I have uh, two boys, Ethan and Nate. I've been married to my wife, Megan, for over 14 years. Ago, uh, for four, 14 years. And uh, they are just kind of my rock, my source. You know, they're the, they're the people that help, help me get through and everything uh, that I'm doing. And uh, I was thinking a little bit about the last two speakers that we had. How many guys were here for, for Chris and for Steven? A lot of you guys? One of the things that I was thinking about with them was the things that they were sharing, the things that they were going through were things that were pretty personal, right? They're probably things that I wouldn't normally talk about in a regular conversation. Um, and what, what really drew me in, what really got me kind of tuned into what they were saying was they were being vulnerable to us with, with the purpose of helping us. And I couldn't help but think that that's something that we just don't do. That's just something that we don't talk about as men. That's something that we don't open up about. Johnny talked about how, like, the small groups, right? There's not as many guys' small groups as there is women's small Why do you think that is? I, I think there's a big part of that because we don't like to be vulnerable. We like to be um, the guy who has everything together. We don't want to show pain, right? Rub some dirt on it. Suck it up, right? Uh, how about like when it comes to directions? I, I, don't, I don't need instructions to put this together. I'm going to figure this thing out on my own, right? <laughs> don't tell me how to get there. I have a natural sense of direction. We're going to show up. We're going to be on time. I might have to speed a little bit, but we'll absolutely get there. And I think for us, it's against our nature to show, to not show weakness. And that's really, really personal to me. If I'm being honest right now, and this is probably like the hardest thing for me to do, I never, ever wanted to show weakness. I never wanted to let anybody see that I didn't have all the answers, that I didn't have um, everything together, because I thought that's what success looked like. I thought that's what, uh, I thought that's what needed to happen for me to be a leader, for me to be successful. And so a lot of this is my story. A lot of this is my reflection on uh, 
my struggle with trying to be invulnerable uh, and really hopefully give you guys some reasons why I think we need to reprogram ourselves in this. Um, so what do I mean when I say invulnerable, if you guys can get to that slide? Um, being invulnerable, when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about a perceived independence. It's a projection that I can get through it no matter what. I'm invincible. I don't have any weakness. I'm successful. I have it all together. I have all the answers. You can't hurt me. It's a mask or a shell that we hide behind, but it's more, the, in a, more than a persona. Often it's what you think you're supposed to be because you see others and you think that they don't have anything wrong with them, and so therefore you shouldn't have anything wrong with them. Ult ultimately, our reality is different than what we show. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about invulnerability. <clears throat> so I was trying to think about what are some good examples of people that are invulnerable? Because it can't just be me, right? Like, if this is just my own internal struggle, I'm probably the only one that deals with it. But as I was thinking about it, I was like, you know what? There are some really good examples of people that, that don't think that they're in, they're, uh, they have any vulnerabilities, they don't have any weaknesses. And so I, I figured we'd talk about some of them. So the first one that I had is this guy. Okay, so maybe it's not, a, not an actual person. But uh, if you've seen this movie before, this is Lego Batman. And Lego Batman, if you watch the movie, he's got all the money, he's got all the gadgets, he can get out of any situation, and he's fighting the need for a sidekick, he's fighting the need for anybody else, he's pushing everybody away because he believes he can do it on his own. And actually, as the movie progresses, you guys have hopefully all seen it by now, uh, <laughs> he learns that he needs those people. But what he projects is definitely not his reality. Now, I must have a thing for uh, Dark Knights, because the next one that I thought of was this guy. <laughs> now, I might be dating myself a little bit, <clears throat> but <laughs> this is the Black Knight from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, <laughs> one of my most favorite movies of all time. And uh, I'll, I'll uh, go into confession later for that. But <laughs> So this guy... This guy is a valiant knight, right? King Arthur rolls up to him. He's like, man, you are the bravest knight. I want you to join me on my quest. And the black knight's like, no, man, I got my job here. You can't, you can't cross this bridge. It's not happening. And the, they, get, they get into a fight. And although he's a strong and well-renowned knight, he does not win the battle. But in his mind, he thinks that he's still winning. He thinks the battle's still going on. And hopefully you've seen this one by now. But he loses both of his arms, both of his legs, and continues to fight, and King Arthur ultimately just walks right past him. <laughs> Love that movie. The next guy, I wanted to come with like a real-world person, maybe somebody who's not a character in a movie, <laughs> maybe a reality TV star. Um, Donald Trump. Donald Trump is one of those guys that always projects power. He always projects success. He projects all of these different things, right? And he's done a really good job of it. He's ridden it all the way to the, probably the most powerful office in the world. But I would venture to say that if you really got to know Donald, if he were to actually have a conversation behind doors, what he projects is not necessarily who he is. 
So why do we think that we have to be invulnerable? Why do we think that we have to project this, this persona, this idea of, of having it all together? Well, I think partly it's because we're leaders, right? We're leaders in the home. We're leaders in our office. We're trying to get promoted. We're trying to be managers. We're trying to get, um, get to that next level. And the funny thing is, for the most part, we have all the answers. We have most of the answers, right? We're able to achieve the level of success that we do because we have those things. But we get to a point where having all those answers and being right and not having a weakness and being able to get through all those things, we begin to tie our self-worth to that. And when your, your self-worth is tied to it, you begin to define yourself by your success or you define yourself by your occupation. What's one of the first questions you ask somebody when you meet them? What do you do? <laughs> right? Tell me what you do so that I know how successful you are so I can determine whether or not I'm going to continue to have this conversation with you. That's what I do, right? Maybe I'm the only one. But it, I think what happens is it overflows into all areas of our life. We go through wanting to be right, wanting to have all the answers, wanting to not show weakness, wanting to be able to, you know, finish the basketball game even though we have the flu, right? We want to be able to do all those things because that's what we look to. That's what we think we should be. We create this image of who we are and we begin to build on that and it begins to become more and more of us. I have a great LinkedIn profile. I'm very proud of that. I have a lot of friends on Facebook. I don't have so many Instagram followers, but I'm not good at taking pictures of food. Um, I think what happens is we think we should be this way because we see others doing it. We see other successful people. We have idols, right? We have people that we look up. We have role models. And so we're looking at even maybe the friends that we have, we're looking at their highlight reel. We're looking at all the successes that they have. And so we tell ourselves, that's what success is. That's what a leader is. That's what I need to be. That's the direction that I need to go. This is what I got to strive for. He did it. He's successful. He's making the money. I need to do that. That's, that's the direction that I need to go. We become trapped in this pursuit of something unattainable. And what really happens is we begin comparing ourselves to every person around us and we become depressed because we can't achieve it. I call it compare and despair. We're always striving for something that's completely unachievable to us. And it's because we're always striving for something that's not us. Now, I like to call that plan A. Plan A is our first and most readily available plan for ourselves. We're constantly reaching, constantly stretching for what we think we should be, what we think others think that we should be. In my case, that was a person that didn't need any help, that accomplished everything, that earned everything. This is who I am. This is me. And I did that. I got the job. President of the company. Got a great house. Got a loving wife with kids. Got all those things. I wanted to be that person that people looked up to. 
But in my case, this is a person who doesn't need any help. And at some point, I didn't realize that I actually did need help. I needed more than myself. And when a time came that the situation was bigger than me, I had nothing. I was alone. I didn't have anyone that I could talk to. And so I realized that there were consequences to thinking and trying to be invulnerable. So I want to talk about a couple of those. The first consequence is relationships. If you never open up to your struggles, to your challenges, you're not relatable. How can you build a relationship with somebody who has it all together, right? I think that we're social people, and so we want to help other people. And if Evan has it all together, well, he doesn't need my help, right? But on the opposite side, when I think I have it all together, I think everybody else is kind of stupid. <laughs> I, I, I kind of think that they should just suck it up and go through it, right? I am horrible at empathy. I talk about my podcast that I have to really, really work on empathy because it doesn't come naturally to me. It's not that I don't see the need for it. I totally understand it. And I'm working on that because I realize the importance of it. But it's really difficult for me. It's really difficult for me to have compassion for people. It's tough. Because in my mind, they can just do it like I did, right? If I can do it, anybody can do it. So what happens with that is, instead of having true relationship, instead of having a band of brothers or mentors or all that other stuff, I have a lot of acquaintances. You have a lot of people around you that are friends, right? That you know that when you see them at men's breakfast, you shake their hand and you ask them how they're doing, but you don't really listen because you really don't care. But you have a lot of those people so that you don't feel alone at a meeting, but you have no true relationship. And what that meant for me was when I was in that time where I was really struggling, I didn't have anybody to talk to about it because my self-worth was tied to my success and my projection of who I was. And so if somebody asked me, how am I doing? How's your day? How are you really doing, Evan? I'd tell them it was my best day ever. I'd tell them things were great. Things were absolutely fantastic. And I was angry on the inside because I wanted to say, I am hurting right now. I am struggling right now. My business is failing. I'm frustrated. I'm losing some customers that I absolutely need. But I couldn't talk about it because my self-worth was tied to my success. And when that happened, I could never let anybody in. And if I did, every person around me would realize that I was a fraud. That's what I thought. So I could never let that happen. Look at your relationships today. Look at the people that you know. Are you vulnerable with them? Are you choosing to have a relationship with them? Are you choosing to have that small group type relationship where you're talking to people and, and really growing together as a person as opposed to just a surface level acquaintance? Because I'm going to tell you right now, having those mentors, having those true relationship friends can mean all the difference in the world. Now, the second consequence that I came across 
was learning. Now, this one, this one's a little, seems a little bit far-fetched, but um, the more you think about it, the more it makes sense, at least to me. Learning starts when you recognize that you don't have all the answers, right? You can't learn everything, you can't learn anything if you think you know it all. So how can somebody teach you? Learning requires humility. It's the humility to listen to somebody and say, you're the best at this. You are the expert, and I can learn from you. And if you don't walk into a situation of learning, you're not going to be teachable. Nobody wants to teach a know-it-all. And for me, I knew a lot. I was creative. I am creative. I, I, I could figure things out. But what I realized was maybe I didn't figure it out at the speed that I could have, or maybe I didn't see things happening that needed to happen in the right amount of time. So, yeah, technically, I could do it, but it would take me two, three months, whereas maybe if I had the right person, it could take me two to three days. So, again, I think that's that, that thing inside of us as men where we're like, I got this. I don't need instructions. I don't need directions. I'm going to figure this out. And when I do, I'm going to stand up and flex over it because I, just, I, I absolutely conquered this thing. 1 Peter 5.5 5 says, listen with humility. One cannot learn which he thinks he already knows. I think about my son, Ethan. I took him on a fishing trip. We went uh, trout fishing on the, on the White River. And Ethan's used to catching catfish and he's used to catching bass. He's my 10-year-old son. And Ethan wasn't catching anything. He was getting a lot of bites, but he wasn't catching anything. And what the guide was trying to tell him was, you can't catch a, a trout like you catch a bass. A bass, you got to set that hook and reel it in hard. There's a big fight. With a trout, you wait. And that fish will start to take the bait. And then you continue to wait. And then you slowly start to reel it in. Because if you pull really hard, you're going to rip that hook right out of that fish's mouth. Well, he did this like eight times, right? He's getting pretty frustrated, but every single time the guide was like, slow down, don't lift the rod. What do you think his answer was? I know, I know, I know, I know, I got this, right? <laughs> but I had to look at him and say, you do not have this. You have not caught it. We've caught fish. You have not caught fish. The reason you're not catching fish is because you're not listening. He was a know-it-all. He thought because he could catch bass and catfish that he could catch a trout. Well, guess what? He listened, he slowly reeled it in, and guess who started catching trout? He did. You have to be humble. You have to be willing to listen and not recognize that even though you think you know the answer, maybe you don't. Now, on the opposite side of that, if you can't learn because you think you have all the answers, teaching becomes really difficult because you can't teach somebody who will never measure up to the level of expertise or the level of knowledge that you have. And so there's no patience, right? Why aren't you getting this? Why don't you understand this? You should know this by now. Or your level of expectation is so high that you fire the person immediately when they don't meet the actual criteria that you have. I actually met a guy, really nice guy, very, very ambitious, very, very uh, successful. Um, but when he was talking to me, I think he was trying to impress me. He's like, no one's going to outwork me. No one's going to be 
the best in my area. I'm going to be the most dominant. I'm going to be the greatest. Nobody can touch me. He's like, man, when I do my job, it is absolutely perfect. He's like, I can't get any installers to do the level of work that I do. I show them, I go through it, and if I roll up on a job and they didn't do it exactly like they're supposed to, I fire them on the spot. (laughs) And I laughed at him. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. You went through all that time to train somebody, to teach them, to get them to this certain level, to the point where they're doing this job, and then you fire them because they didn't loop something correctly. He could never allow somebody to reach the level that he was because he created competition for himself. What he became was a really, really good bottleneck. And I asked him the question, I said, how many employees do you have? And he said he didn't have any, and I couldn't believe it. (laughs) I think he didn't have any employees because his self-worth was tied to the quality of work that he did, and if he wasn't the best, if he wasn't the person that did it the greatest, that wasn't the face of the company and everything else, that he would have competition, his self-worth would be, uh, it would be lowered, and he wasn't able to get over himself. Now, the last consequence that I came across was self-reliance. This one is tough for me. You create an illusion of independence that puts you at the center of your life. The challenge about this is this will work for a long time. It can work for a very long time until it doesn't. But it can work. And then this point comes. And there's some young guys in here, and that point might not have come for you yet. But when you think about youth, you you think about, I I hear the saying, he doesn't know he isn't invincible yet. (laughs) He hasn't figured it out. Uh, You can't rely on yourself all the time. Because when that moment comes, that house of cards crumbles and you're, you're standing there completely and utterly exposed. The in- interesting thing that I found with this was as I was going through some of the words and some of the ideas behind this, I found out that I might be partly a narcissist. <laughs> Let me read to you some of these things that a narcissist is. They exaggerate their own importance. They're preoccupied with fantasies of success. They believe that they're special. They require constant attention, have unreasonable expectations, disregard the feelings of others, lacks empathy, shows arrogant behaviors and attitudes. If you think that you're invulnerable, congratulations, you're a narcissist. And you know what? Narcissists don't know that they're narcissists. It's the most debilitating thing that you could have, and you have no way of knowing it. Please do not be a narcissist. I know a couple narcissists. I can't stand to be around them. And the problem is, like, when I realized I was, I was so upset. I was like, oh, man, I need to work on this. I do not want to be a narcissist. The other side of self-reliance is this. It can't happen to me. I won't have that problem. I think about the things that Chris and Stephen talked about. I sat at one of those tables, listened to them, and said to myself, I can see how it happened to Stephen. I can see how it happened to Chris. Not me. I don't have that problem. There's a compelling speaker that comes and speaks to your group, speaks to your office. They tell you about 
time management. They tell you about leading people. They tell you about culture. Not my culture. My culture is great. I don't have a problem with culture. Or I'm really good at time management. I don't have that problem. You say not me to a lot of things. And ultimately, that's that refusal to learn. That's re that, that refusal to go to that next level because you're always pushing people away. And what happens is you become, you, you're the same person today as you were 20 years ago. That's not going to do you any good. That's not going to do your team any good. That's not going to do your family any good. Another thing about self-reliance is there's a lot of success tied to it, but success brings excess. It, I'll be honest. It's, it feels good to be successful. It feels good to have a good income. It feels good to have a successful business. You have a lot of resources at your disposal, but you're really never in a position where you need faith. You're never in a position where you have to stretch for something. All your needs, or a lot of your needs, are there for you. And so you're really never having to go beyond yourself for anything. I think about some of the recent celebrities that you've heard about in the news. They've had every possible thing around them. They had all the excess. They were able to pursue this emptiness inside of them with whatever they wanted. Food, money, cars, being on TV, women, they had the ability to pursue all of those things. And for the most part, it doesn't end well because they're constantly chasing this thing. They're constantly chasing success. They're constantly chasing this idea of what they think they should be. I got the big house. I got the big cars. I got all these things. They're chasing all of that. And what happens? It doesn't have what they're looking for. They, they're looking for fulfillment and they can't find it. When you're self-reliant, you don't think that you need God. And that's the most dangerous thing of all. Because you're this created being looking at your creator going, I got this. I don't need you. I don't have any problems. If I don't have any problems, why do I need God? Right? I can get through this myself. And I think what happens is you're walking through life, going through your day-to-day, -day, and you have no desire to be drawn close to the creator of you. It's gone because you have everything that you think that you need or you have the ability to chase things that you think will fulfill the things that you have. So what does the Bible have to say about this? The Bible kind of recognizes a little bit of this quandary. And the first verse that I came across was Deuteronomy 8, 17. It says, otherwise, and this is, uh, this is the Israelites when they're about to go into the promised land. And uh, basically God's telling them, hey, when you do this, you're going you're gonna to be in a land flowing with milk and honey, right? You're going to have all this success. Everything's going to be there. He says, otherwise you might say in your heart, my power and my strength of my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant with you, which he swore to your fathers, and it is this day. They're going to get into a situation where success is going to be there. They're going to have excess. They're going to have everything that they need. And God's saying, it's not you. It's me. Proverbs, which is, Spend a lot of time in Proverbs because that's the business chapter, right? Proverbs 28, 26. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, 
but he who walks wisely will be delivered. And this last one, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will straighten your paths. Proverbs 3.5. I don't see anywhere in there that says trust in Evan. <laughs> trust in Johnny, right? Where is our trust supposed to be? It's not in ourselves. We're not to be self-reliant. So what we need is a plan B. We talked about plan A. Plan A is to try to be this person that we think we're supposed to be, that we see other people being, we see everybody else's highlight reel. But when we talk about plan, it's not just a plan B. It's a plan B-E. Be who you were created to be. Be what God created you to be. Not trying to be someone who has the illusion of control and power, but the real version of yourself. And to do that, we have to choose to be vulnerable, choose to create relationships, and approach life with humility and serving others. It's the exact opposite of what we think we should be, but ultimately, it's who we were created to be. I think a lot of times, especially when you get into your 30s-ish, is when I started to think about, what was I created to be? What's my purpose? Why am I here? Is it just to go to work, make money, and hang out on the weekends? Or is there something greater than that? I didn't know who I was, so I had to figure it out. But that's a big question, right? Like, how do, where do you start? Well, the easiest place to start is to be an imitator of Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, Be imitators of me, just as I am also in Christ. This is Paul talking. God is a truly great example of humility, of vulnerability, of creating relationships. And so if you start to lean into that, start to pursue that, start to make that your plan B as opposed to the plan A of the success that you think needs to be there, you're going to start to find out a lot about yourself. You're going to find out what you were created to be, what gives you life. Philippians 2, 3 through 9 says, do nothing from selfish, selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility in my mind, regard one another as important as yourself, more, as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Having this attitude in yourself, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but laid aside his privilege, emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of man, being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name which is above every other name. Do you think God puts value on humility and obedience? He exalted Jesus to a name that's above every name because he humbled himself, because he was obedient. Humbleness and obedience cannot exist on the same plane as invulnerability, invincibility, and all those other things. So, my challenge to you today is if you're going to try to be like Jesus, if you're going to be an imitator of him, you've got to know him, right? We talk a lot about knowing the real Jesus here. How can you pursue to be like somebody that you don't know? It's impossible. You have an idea. You have the words. I've got to be humble. I've got to be obedient. But do those words mean anything to you or are they just black ink on paper? 
you really need to dig in and look at the examples that Christ gives us because that's the greatest way for us to learn anything about who he was, who he is, and the relationship that you can have with him. Ultimately, overcoming invulnerability requires surrender, and it's surrendering to the real Jesus and recognizing that you're not your own source. You don't have all the answers, and if you do right now, someday you won't. Trusting in him, trusting in him should not be a last resort. It should be a natural occurrence. It's a daily decision that should lead you to better relationships, to become better teachers and students. We become reliant on him and view life as a steward instead of reliant on ourselves. Those were my struggles with invulnerability. My struggles was I found what I thought was success. I found what I thought were the things that would give me fulfillment, that would give me peace, and it didn't do any of that, especially when reality set in. So now what? We've talked about invulnerability. We've talked about some of the consequences of that. But if you're like me, you're saying, not me. <laughs> Evan, I can see how that would happen to you. But that doesn't happen to me, right? So in business and in goal setting and as a leader, what do they always tell you to do? Write down your goals. Be accountable. Find those things that you can keep in front of yourself to remind yourself and challenge yourself. You gotta decide that you want to do that. You gotta decide that you want to be a better version of yourself, to be like Christ, whatever that may be from what you've gotten from this today. So what I'm gonna ask Johnny to do and his team is to hand out some cards. And I wanna give you that opportunity. Now, I'm not gonna get your contact information and send you a bunch of marketing pieces or anything like that. This is for you. This is completely for you. I want you to craft your own plan B. I want you to figure out and challenge yourself to go to that next level. Is it to be more humble? Is it to be more obedient? Is it to choose to learn? What does that look like for you? And here's what I'm going to commit to you. Put your name and address on one side. On the other side, put down your plan B. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to mail these back to you. But I'm not going to mail it back to you today. I'm not going to mail it back to you tomorrow. I'm going to sit on them for a while. And what I want to do is one of two things. When this piece shows up in your mailbox, there's going to be two responses. One, I'm so glad I did that. I am making strides toward this. I am challenged. I'm reminded of what I want to do. And I want to keep pursuing it. The other situation is it'll show up in your inbox and you'll look at it and you'll say, oh my goodness, I can't believe that I completely forgot about this. This is your chance to speak to your future self, to challenge your future self to be greater than you are today. And you know what? It's going to take some vulnerability to write that on that card because somebody in the post office is going to see what you write. <laughs> Your mail person is going to see what you write. And I'm okay with that. There's also another box in there, and that's for, for the invulnerable guys that are still in here. And that box says, don't mail this to me. Don't send me this. And I will oblige. <laughs> 
because it'll save me 20-something cents in postage. But if you feel that way and you check that box, then you didn't get anything out of today. And you're going to continue on with the life that you currently have. And if that's good with you, that's good with me. I hope that it's not that case. I hope that you challenge yourself and push yourself to be that person that you can be. So with that, thank you again for the opportunity to speak. Thank you for allowing me to be vulnerable to you and accountable to you. And I can't wait to see the relationships that come from this breakfast, the challenges that come from this postcard, and ultimately the men that you guys and the men and the leaders that you guys become because of this event. So with that, thank you.